0: Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media, to make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. today's story um, that we heard in the Gospel uh, is one that hopefully is familiar to our ears. And this story is actually mentioned, so we read from the Gospel of Mark today, it's actually mentioned also in the Gospels of Matthew and the Gospel of St. Luke, um, which isn't surprising based on today's story. If you were thinking, you know, like like last last week we talked about the sinful woman, and that is a memorable story, that is a memorable experience. If you were there and you were sitting, you would never forget that occasion. Um, But today, today is a lot of strange things happening, okay? The easiest one that we see is a paralyzed man is healed, okay? So, like, right from the get-go. This would be memorable if you were there. And that would be memorable enough, but then Jesus says something, okay? Or before, actually, the miracle. Jesus says to him, your sins are forgiven. Which to any person's ear in that time that, like, us, shocked. Like, who is this person who can forgive sins? But then Jesus doubles down. And says, just to show you that I can forgive sins, I'm going to heal. And then if you were still not paying attention that day and you're daydreaming despite Jesus saying to some guy that his sins are forgiven and a paralyzed man walking and you're still not paying attention, just in case, just in case, there's no roof in somebody's home. Okay, so for sure you weren't going to forget this day. Um, The only thing we're missing from today's account is what the owners of the home, what what their response was. Were they like happy or they're kind of upset about the roof that we don't know, but you know, it is what it is. So today, it almost seems like it's like a scene from a movie, okay? Like it's a scene from a movie, and we're just there, and what I always like to think to myself when I'm, I'm reading Scripture and I'm reading the gospel is like, how would I have reacted if I was in that moment? What would I have meditated on in that moment? And there's so many things we can contemplate on, um, but the one thing that my mind kept coming back to was the man's friends, okay? And we, we've maybe meditated on that before. The man's friends, the man's friends. And of course, right off the bat, we say, man, I would love to have some friends like that. that. Those are some amazing friends. But then my mind went to not just the man's friends for the sake of just having friends, but what this story really shows me and what those friends really show me is the power of the church. The power of the church. That's what I kept coming back to. This is the perfect image of the church, what the church should look like and what the church should be. If you think about the story of salvation, when Jesus was leaving this earth, okay, after he accomplished everything that Jesus accomplished, okay? If you think about it from Old Testament to New Testament, God had done so much work, so much work, so much work. And then Jesus said, okay, well, now it's my time to go. Now it's my time to leave. He left his followers with two things. What were those two things? The Holy Spirit, okay? And what was the second thing? The church. The Holy Spirit and the church. Think about it. You're leaving your followers. So you want to make sure that they're prepared. You're going to give them the best tools possible. And the two things he leaves them with is the Holy Spirit. Makes sense. We'd say, of course, God living inside of us. Like, of course. But then the church. And I don't know that we think of the church in those terms of how powerful, like Jesus wanted to leave something precious, something powerful, something to help his followers fight the darkness outside in the world. So he said, I'm leaving the Holy Spirit and the church. The church is where we received Scripture. Without the church, we wouldn't have Scripture. The church is where we received the sacraments. Without the church, we wouldn't have sacraments. Christ wanted to make sure that his followers were prepared. And that's why when I look at friends today, I look at them and I say, that's a perfect image of what the church is for us. That's a perfect image of what the church is for us. Because I think that's all of our stories one way or another, is that we are one way, the church came along, and who is the church? The body of Christ, all of us. The church came along and rescued us and helped us. The church isn't just a gathering. You know, the, the word church in, in, like, Greek is ekklesia. And what that basically means is an assembly or a gathering of people. But it's more than just a gathering. It's not just a gathering for the sake of a gathering. Church isn't a place I go to just on Sundays, okay? So that I'm, you know, I just kind of check the box or I, you know, sometimes it's, like, maybe, like, we go to confession. We're, like, you know, I haven't taken communion X number of weeks. Like, communion is great. I'm not saying, like, communion is the best. Okay, that's what we're going to do. But, like, the point isn't just to, like, come at the end, catch communion. Okay, check the box. Like, that's not the experience of the church. That's not what the church is meant to be. The church is a group of people, a community, and they're represented today by, by these four friends. Everything in the church is set up with this in mind, that nothing is done on an individual basis, that everything is done communally. Okay? So if you think of the sacraments, communion, like we're about to take communion, I can't today say, you know, I really don't feel like giving you guys communion. So you guys just go home. I'm going to go pray liturgy. and I'm going to just, you know, wrap this thing up. we got like a one o'clock, you know, football game. So we're going to just try to make this thing fast. So I'm going to just go. I'm going to take communion myself. I'm going to pray liturgy by myself. You guys go home. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Like I get fired like the next week. Okay. That wouldn't go over well with anyone. So that's not how the church operates. The church is what? Us together. And the priest can't pray liturgy by himself. Us together. It has to be the community. The people of God. Baptism. Baptism is meant to be a public event for the church, for the gathering of the community. Wedding is meant to be a public event. Like all those sacraments. One of my favorite sacraments, confession. You know the confession? Traditionally, it's meant to be a public event. Okay? So confession in the early church, how did it go? Confession in the early church, you would come up in front of the gathering of the people... And you would confess your sins, the priest and the bishop would be present as well, but also it's for the community. You know that? It's for the community. Maybe we'll bring that back one day. We'll see what happens. (laughs) But there was a reason that it was set up that way because there was a difference in mindset of how we approached everything in the church. Confession today, when I go to confession today, here's how I typically think of it. And it's not wrong, but it's incomplete. I messed up, I need repentance, I need forgiveness, so I go and I humble myself and I repent and I confess and I receive forgiveness, and that's it. And that's good, but it's actually not complete. How did the early church think of confession? I messed up. And if I'm not spiritually healthy, I'm hurting my brothers and sisters in the community. I'm hurting my brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. So I have to go and I have to confess. Not just for forgiveness, of course for forgiveness. But I have to be reconciled back to my community. That's how they understood confession. Like, that was the purpose of confession. purpose of confession was to be reconciled to the community. That's powerful. Nothing we do in the church is supposed to be just individual. Everything is communal. Even if you're reading scriptures, you'll notice that... Um, like from the Old Testament to the New Testament, sometimes individuals are addressed, but a lot of times it's the people of God that are addressed. So St. Paul may be, be addressing a whole, like an entire church community. God, when he's speaking to, to the, 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 like Moses or whoever, he's also addressing the people of Israel. It's the communal effect, not just one person. The question that I was thinking about today... Is how do we experience the power of the church in the way that we're talking about that everything is kind of this communal not individual way i think we come back to today's gospels why were the paralyzed man's friends so adamant on getting him healed they were so adamant on getting him healed, on bringing him to Jesus by any means necessary, to the point where they took somebody's roof off their house, okay? Why? If you were to ask them, if you were to interview them, again, this is how they understood things, maybe not how we always understand things. His sickness was their sickness. There was no difference. They're connected. His sickness was their sickness. His forgiveness was their forgiveness. His meeting Christ was them meeting Christ. They're connected. St. Paul in Romans says it this way. He says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. And this is why St. Paul also uses the analogy of the body of Christ. We hear that a lot. The body of Christ. The body of Christ. And we think the body of Christ, like if you think of a body, okay, body what? I have arms, I have legs, I have mind, I have whatever, okay? So, different parts of the body do different things. So we always like, the analogy that we always think of is the body of Christ, is we have different skills, different talents, and we use those different things and that's true. But that's not the only reason he uses that analogy. Not to just say these are your gifts. That's not the only reason he uses that analogy. The reason he uses that analogy is to reiterate that the body is one. Unity. That the body is one. Think about it logically imagine if you have like today you wake up and you have like excruciating pain coming down like your left arm like your left arm is like killing you okay like your arm is is like you're in so much pain in so much pain and then all of a sudden you think to yourself you know what my arm is really hurting like i'm in agony i'm in excruciating pain but it's okay i'm gonna go on a five mile run because my legs are fine so even though i'm in so much pain like so much pain. Like somebody just cut my arm, like I'm in so much pain. I'm gonna go on a five mile run because my legs are fine. Would anybody think that is a logical next step? Of course not. Like, why? Your legs are fine. It's one body. Like, yes, my arm is the thing that's messed up, but it affects my entire body. And on a positive side, okay, like if you're, let's say, you, you just started like eating healthy and exercising, you'll notice that's not just your body that's effective, but your mind, your attitude, your mood, everything changes, right? Our body is one. The body of Christ is one. We're connected. So the friends of the paralytic man today, they see their friend who is hurting. And they say, well, if my friend is hurting, I'm hurting. Like, there's no difference. If my friend is joyful, then I'm joyful. There's no difference. That's what we're called to be in the body of Christ. That's what it means to be a body. And not just like, oh yeah, we have all the different skills and talents, and of course that's true. But it means that we are one. That's what makes the church powerful. In the body of Christ, when I am paralyzed, when I'm paralyzed, okay, like spiritually paralyzed, it's my job to speak up, to ask for help from the members of the body. It's my job when I'm, when I'm spiritually struggling to not just do it on my own, it's my job to speak up, to accept help, and to go after help. This man today, like I always wondered about the paralyzed man when we spoke on his friends, but also he invested in the relationships. Like there's a reason that his friends are that close to him. But it's also my job, if I'm not the paralyzed man, to seek after the person who needs that. St. Ambrose, he says it this way. He says, every patient and this is a commentary on today's gospel. He says, every patient must resort to intercessors who will ask for health for him. Every patient must resort to intercessors. Okay? Intercessor is like somebody who prays for them. Who will ask for health for him. Let there be counselors to the soul who will raise the human spirit higher. And then he addresses the people of God. And he says, Learn you who judge to forgive. Learn you who judge. So if you see an illness, learn you who judge to forgive. You who are ill, you who are sick, Learn to ask, like to implore, to ask for help. Turn to the church that will pray for you. That is what it means to experience the power of the church. To be, like, real with one another, to be vulnerable with one another, to bring each other closer to Christ. When the body of Christ is healthy, like St. Ambrose says, there's no time for judgment. There's no time for bitterness or unforgiveness. Again, think about it to the, the, the body example. If my arm is hurting, if my arm is hurting, that, that shooting pain that I described earlier, no one in their right mind would say, I hate my arm, my arm is useless, cut it off and throw it away. Like, would anybody say that? Like, your arm, like, your leg today is hurting, your arm is hurting. And you say, useless arm. What a useless arm. Like, there's no use to this arm, just cut it off and throw it away. What? Right? Nobody would think that. That's not logical. Why? Because the arm is part of you. So when I view My brother and sister, as part of me, I never think that way. I never think, oh, that person is annoying. I just, just ignore them, don't have a relationship with them. Like, just whatever. Get rid of them. Like, you never can think that. That's your arm. If your arm is struggling, you help the arm. Like, that's just common sense. Can we experience this in the church today? Can we experience this power in the church today? And again, we're not bringing back public confession. Okay, guess so everybody just, you know, at ease, at ease. Um, But something that we do here at STSA, which I honest to God was not, like, planning on talking about, but we'll talk about it later, is life groups. This is why we do life groups. Like, the reason we do life groups is this, to experience the power of the church. Because in life groups, that's where I can be vulnerable. I can open up. And if I'm not comfortable opening up to every single soul, maybe I grab somebody after the group and I say, hey, can you pray for me for this, this, and this? You know? Like, this is why we do it. You know, it's easy to gather together and talk about nonsense. Okay? Like, I can talk to you, for example, about, like, football for three hours today. Like, easily. Like, I can just, we can talk about who's doing this and what quarterback is doing. Nonsense. A waste of everybody's time. Okay? I love sports, but it's still a waste of time. But this is why we do life groups. Because it's centered on what? On Christ. That we're bringing each other there for a purpose. We're there for a reason. Life groups are meant to give us a spark or a taste of what that power in the church looks like. Like, it's not just like, oh, I did life group, I'm good. It's meant to be a spark or a taste of this is what life in the church should look like. When I'm struggling, I go to a friend. I say, pray for me. I really need this. Then I don't try to do things on my own. I remember when I first started coming to SSA, I um, this is what I knew I needed, but it was the last thing I wanted. okay like based on my step. is like the one thing I knew for sure without a shadow without that I needed, but it was the last thing I wanted. I needed community. I needed community not just for the sake of community just so I can have friends. I had friends. I had plenty of friends. But the goal wasn't just friends. The goal was community for the sake of growth in my relationship with God. That was like the biggest thing. And at, like, you know, by attending, like, life groups and things like that, that's how I I came to have that community, okay? That's, like, what happened. Eventually, more than community, I got married, okay, but just plug. But that's how it initially started, okay? As Sam Ambrose says, I wanted intercessors. Like, anybody here says, no, I I got enough people praying for me. I don't need anybody else praying for me. Anybody going to say that? Like, we all need people to pray for us. Life groups, like I said, is a spark, is a taste, and we'll talk about that later, and it's just the beginning, because a church full of people seeking out the benefit of each other is the best place to be. Like, when somebody comes here on a Sunday, they might notice, oh, wow, the church is beautiful. That's great. You know, and the church is beautiful. To be honest with you, there's a lot of beautiful churches out there, okay? Like, the church is beautiful, great. You know, the the sermon is fantastic. Okay, thank God. Okay, like this, again... But, like, a lot of people give good sermons, okay? You know, the one thing that's lasting why people stay? Love. Why people stay? Is community. People feel connected. That's the reason people stay. The power of the church that this paralyzed man experienced today, and I, I think his friends resemble that for us, it, they symbolize that for us today, is something that we all need at one point or another in our life, we're gonna need it. We're gonna be that paralyzed man that needs help. All of us. But even if we're not in that paralyzed state, we should be the people going out and seeing who is the person that needs help. To allow people to be vulnerable. My prayer today, as we're praying in the liturgy, is that we lift up our hearts to God. And we're asking God to teach us to love one another more deeply. And even if you're like, you know, I do invest in relationships, I have to do it even more. Because there's always somebody out there that you don't know, that might be struggling, that might be whatever, and to give that person the chance, to give that person the time. And maybe if you are that person, to speak up, to not try to do things on your own, to not try to go through life on your own. My prayer today is that we pray for each other, that we truly experience the power of the church in this way like the paralyzed man did today. And glory be to God forever. Amen.